You are listening to the official podcast of Refuge, where we believe all people matter to God. Well, good morning, everyone. We welcome you to Refuge this morning, and on this cold, frigid day, we're glad that you could get out and and join us in this gathering. We're excited about what God is doing, and and I'm just... uh, very privileged to stand before you and to share the Word of God with you. And, and I trust that in this service this morning, you're going to receive uh, something that can really help build your life in Christ. And so uh, we're looking forward to what God has in store. So uh, again, if, if you have not been around for a while or if, if you're here and we're part of Good News Fellowship Church, make sure you grab one of those brochures, the welcome uh, visitors brochure in the seat pocket in front of you to familiarize yourself with refuge. And just as Good News Fellowship Church had a foundation that was solidly set upon the Word of God, the truth of the Bible, the Word of God is the foundation for refuge as well. And so we are receiving from God the new assignment He's given us. He's given us a new name for a new season. And as refuge, I believe God strategically wants us to be a place where people can come and find and connect with Jesus Christ. And we have a a mission, and I believe that as you look to the Scripture, you see refuge so significant in the Bible as a place for people to come and, and to be set free from oppression, to find a place of safety. Psalms 119 verse 114, we see where God is our refuge and shield. It it reads, you are my refuge and my shield. Your word is my source of hope. Amen? I'm excited about what God is doing. And if you notice this morning, you drove in, the new sign is in place. It's exciting. And you're going to continue to see things changing over the next few months. And uh, that's uh, exciting. And so the community is beginning to say, what's happening on the west side? Uh, Well, God's on the move. Amen? And we're glad that you can be a part of it. I I wanted to uh, just uh, share a little bit with you. My mom and dad are here this morning, and they were able to brave the cold. But yesterday, on Valentine's Day, they celebrated their 62nd anniversary. And so we want to give them a hand. Yes. Praise God. And you know, this couple is just as much as in love today as when they got married. And my dad, he'll tell you, if if you get a moment to spend with him, he'll tell you the reason he chose February 14th to get married is because he wouldn't have to remember two dates. Yeah, so if he forgets... If he forgets the date, then he's really in trouble. But uh, Valentine's Day is a great day to get married, and, and uh, they are very much in love. It's, it was interesting, uh, last, this past fall, um, my parents both ended up in the hospital at the same time. You know, and, and it, we actually, mom didn't know that dad uh, was put in the room right next to her until the next morning. But those two were like two little lovebirds, so concerned about each other, but they made it through that episode, and, and God's good. Uh, they actually are now in the process of moving, and this is, you know, a, a great opportunity for them. They've recently sold their house and moving into a, a senior living community, and so it's uh, time that dad forget about mowing the lawn and doing all those other things that he loves to do and, and just focus on spending more time with mom, right? Okay. And so we're excited for them and uh, all that God is doing in their lives. Uh, I have a few things. 
you know, being that it was Valentine's Day, I, I found some things that I want to share with you. And if, if you don't have a special person in your life, uh, my prayer for you is, is that God make himself more real to you because really he is the most important relationship we can have and he can help us in every other relationship. But there was a young man that asked a girl out. He asked her, do you have a date for Valentine's Day? And she paused and looked at him and said, sure, February 14th. Yeah, okay. A little subliminal message there to that young man. But uh, Johnny had asked his friend Tony uh, whether he had purchased and bought a wife or gift for his wife for Valentine's Day. And he said, yes, I, I bought her a belt and a bag. And so um, Johnny said, well, I hope, I hope she appreciated the gift. And so Tony said, so do I. And hopefully the vacuum cleaner will work better too. Who <laughs> Tony is in trouble. Okay. You know, look out, Tony. That's what you don't want to do, guys. You know, those practical gifts, they just don't, they're not received that well on Valentine's Day. Uh, there, there was one uh, wife that had a Valentine's Day dream. After she woke up, she told her husband, she said, I just dreamed that you gave me a diamond necklace for Valentine's Day. What do you think that means? And so he said, just wait, and you'll see. So at the end of the day, he brings home a package, a small package, and gives it to her. And with anticipation, she opens it up to discover it's a book of how to interpret dreams. <laughs> oh, Yes. Hmm, the meaning of dreams. Oh, we need to know about that, don't we? I think that guy was in trouble too. Now, uh, a husband and a wife were arguing about who should brew the coffee in the morning. I don't know if you ever heard this one. And so she finally won the argument because she said that it's biblical that men brew coffee in the morning. And then she directed him to the book of Hebrews. Okay, yeah. Uh, that one didn't go over that well, but amen. Uh, so I have some Q&As for you. Question, what do squirrels give for Valentine's Day? Forget-me-nuts. Okay. How about another one? I redeemed myself here. What did the Valentine card say to the stamp? Stick with me and we'll go places. Okay. Oh, man. Did Adam and Eve ever have a date? No, but they had an apple. Okay. Why did the banana go out with the prune? Because he couldn't get a date, okay? Now, if your aunt runs off and gets married, what would you call her? Antelope, of course. Okay. Oh, some of these, I, I, I better, I'm going to save the best for last year. What did one boat say to the other? Are you up for a little romance? Mm, okay. And this one is for my wife. Knock, knock, honey. Olive. Olive, you. Okay. Yeah, okay. Well, how about a little Valentine's trivia? Did you know that 110 million roses are sold and delivered over a three-day period around Valentine's Day? 
That's a lot of roses. Did you know that 15% of U.S. women send themselves flowers on Valentine's Day? Hmm. That, I, I was very intrigued by that, and I, I, I said, we need to have a prayer meeting for those women. Um, 73% of people who buy flowers on Valentine's Day are men, and 27% are women. Oh, that makes sense. There's only 27% left. Um, more than 35 million heart-shaped boxes of chocolate are sold for Valentine's Day each year. That's a lot of chocolate, folks. And then approximately 1 billion Valentine's Day cards are sold every year and exchanged one to another. That's, that's a lot, amen? So really it's a day that celebrates uh, love and relationship, and that's really what we're talking about in this series but it's important to realize and understand that the, the truth about Valentine's Day is that he was a believer, he was a, a, a minister of the gospel, and he stood for righteousness, he stood for marriage, he stood for right relationships. And so if you ever have opportunity to do the research on Valentine's Day, it, it's rooted in Christianity. It's a, it's a Christian foundation of love that that we have and celebrate today. And although the world always likes to pervert things and misuse things, the truth of it is rooted in, 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 in the love of God. So something for you to know. We are celebrating uh, and addressing relationships this month and a couple of books that we're recommending are The Five Love Languages by Gary Chapman and Telling Each Other the Truth by William Backus. And so if you haven't had opportunity to get those, uh, you can inquire at the service center or the uh, welcome center if you're interested in one of those books, which will be great information for you. Uh, we started our checklist this month with a great smile. Last week we talked about never gets angry, and uh, that is, I believe, a message. I could, I could speak a whole month just on the subject of anger uh, and there's, there's a lot that we need to understand as believers in dealing with how to handle anger in our lives because we all face it and all have those provoked moments where we knuckle under and give in, but we need to know how to channel it and deal with it when it comes. Today we want to talk about, the title of the message is Puts Me First. And what does that mean? We, we really want to talk about this from the framework of of what it means to put someone else first in a relationship. And we cannot neglect the significance of putting God first in our lives because really all relationships, if they're not properly, they're not be properly understood unless we have right relationship with God. It's important to realize that God's intent for relationships is that they be healthy, that we have relationships that build our lives and that we are able to build other people's lives, that relationships are, are productive in, in a sense. Now, we realize that healthy relationships are is something we all look for, long for, and seek after. We're looking for healthy relationships, and we know that relationships often can, can be destructive, uh, hurtful, and uh, cause pain and heartache in people's lives. And, and so many times we deal with the broken relationship, and God wants to bring healing to the heartache and the hurt that often is accompanied with a broken relationship. It's realizing also that a relationship is simply the ability to properly relate to someone else. 
In fact, the, the conflict that is often uh, occurs in a relationship is because you are not capable of properly relating to the, to the other person. And that's what causes conflict. And so, uh, how many of you would like to avoid conflict in a relationship as much as you can? Okay, now, we know that it's not totally unavoidable, but we know that when we establish principles of truth in our life, that we can avoid and overcome those conflicts when they come and walk through and work through situations, as long as there's a commitment, as long as there's a desire. Let's take a moment for a word of prayer before we continue uh, to go forward in this message. Thank you, Father. Father, we honor you. We thank you for the privilege of, of serving you. And Father, I pray that you would reveal the truth in the hearts of your people. Father, that you would renew our minds to come to a greater understanding of what it means to have right relationships. In Jesus' name, Father, we look to your word and we thank you for understanding and revelation. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I just want to say this. Uh, today, if you're at a place and you feel like uh, you just don't know what to do, maybe in a situation and you're at that impasse, you're at that place, and I'm speaking in regard to a relationship, that you just don't know what to do. I believe that God is going to give you some direction today. He's going to help you maybe even to come to a place of decision so that you can address a situation, that you can address uh, a circumstance with the wisdom of God, with the truth of God in your life. Because so often we make decisions and we don't involve God in those decisions. And when we do, we're cutting ourselves short of, of, of what God has really uh, made available to us. And we want to access all that God has for us so we can live this life the best way we can with his strength, with his help. Because God is for you. He's not against you. You need to understand that. So often people have that concept in their mind that God's against me. And, and if I do something, if I just get a little bit out of line, he's, he's going to you know, kind of smack me up or, or, or do something that you know, is going to come against me. But no, God's for you. He's not against you. Amen. Now, the consequences are wrong decisions. And often we're paying the price for those wrong decisions. But if, if you follow the Lord, there is a whole lot less junk that you have to wade through in life when you follow him. Because he'll lead you on the path that will avoid you, the pitfalls, the, the bad stuff and junk that comes your way. Not that we can avoid it altogether because we know that we're going to go through things. But yet God's promise is that he'll never leave us nor forsake us. Amen? All right. So we have... Um, Actually, if you find the scripture in Matthew 6, 33, that's our key verse for today. And we're talking about in a relationship, we look for somebody that will put you first. And, and now, this most often is in, the, is in the context of marriage, right? Because who wants to be second? Especially in a romantic relationship, who wants to be second? Marriages suffer because others come first, they, others come first, or other, whether it's other people or other things, come first. See, marriage is a commitment 
actually in a committed relationship such as marriage, you want to know that you're first in the life of your partner. And uh, you best not get married to them if you're not first in their life in, in that sense. You know, I needed to be assured that Deb was totally committed to me just as I was totally committed to her. I couldn't have that sense of, well, maybe there's somebody else in your life. Maybe, um, you know, she does, she's just marrying me for the wrong reasons. I needed to know that she wanted me because of who I was, because of me, that she was committed to who I was. Now, one of the things, and we want to frame this teaching today, is, is really one of the things we demanded from each other in our relationship is that we wouldn't put each other first before God. God had to be first in our lives, and then we put each other first, okay? So having that vertical relationship being a first priority, and then the horizontal one is secondarily, okay? And so uh, I can say that Pastor Deb is first in my life, second to God, okay? And, and, and we're going to talk a little bit about that because... I believe that one of the problems we have in this life is because we've failed to put God first. That's why we're having some of the challenges that we're facing and dealing with because of a failure to really, truly put God first in our life. Now, the closest of relationships is where they become a priority in your life. We should never just live for ourselves, right? We shouldn't. Giving your whole heart is risky. It really is. And some of you have been burned because you've given your whole heart and, and you've, you've been burned, you've been taken advantage of, you've been abused and, and used, and, and you feel like, oh, how I don't want to make that risk or take that risk again. Yet, without total commitment, you will never find total fulfillment. And we have something in society today, and it's called noncommittal. People don't want to commit. That's why couples often live together before they get married because they're going to, let's just try this out. I'm not ready to commit 100%, but I'm, a, I'm committed enough. Let's live together. But then, you know, there's other things that are wrong with that. It just is proven not to work. I mean, statistics, you can look at that. I'm not going to get into that today, but couples that live together before marriage they're more likely to end in divorce than those who move in together after they get married. And, and, and you know, the culture in society today has moved such a shift in this direction where that's become acceptable. But when you really look at it from the framework of God's Word, there's something wrong with the culture that says that's okay, right? And so... And in no way do we want to minister condemnation to somebody in that situation, but we do want to challenge you to really take a serious look at the Word of God. And, and if you make a determination in your heart, I'm going to live by the principles of God's Word, then you will walk not only with, with uh, the results of the fruit of God's Word in your life, but you'll have God's favor and blessing that will be evident for others to witness and see as well. So... Um, Today, really what I want to talk about are priorities. What are your priorities in life? Your commitment to whom or to what? What are they? 
And, and there's something significant about putting God first in our life that we really need to understand. We really need to understand and comprehend it. Uh, when he is first, selfishness no longer rules or dominates your life. Because when you realize that uh, a selfish person is somebody that's just into themselves, nobody really wants to be a friend to a selfish person. And yet, selfishness is something we all battle with because human nature is basically selfish. We're looking out for ourselves. And, but that's not God's way. God, and we're going to see it right from the Word of God. I'm not just saying this, but we're going to see from the vantage point of God's Word how God wants us to look at relationships from an unselfish vantage point, okay? And so Matthew 6.33, we finally get there. It says, but seek first his kingdom, or seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all these things shall be added to you. Now, the context of this, where this scripture is set, is talking about just living life. It talks about people are looking for uh, finding uh, a place to live, clothes for their back, food for their table. It's talking about just the basics of living. And Jesus makes this statement in the middle of this discourse. If you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and all of these others, other things will be added as a bonus, okay? So this scripture should be very important in the believer's life as we consider what this is saying because some people seek the kingdom of God, but they don't seek it first. It's not first priority in their life. Sometimes it's a last resort. When they, before they seek God, they, they try and exhaust all of their ideas and means and ability. And finally, they say, okay, God, I guess I need to seek you. Nothing else is working. And so, now, when you see this passage, as we look at it again, but seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. That word righteousness is really referring to right order. We want God's righteousness, his right order in our lives. Now, if we're to seek first his kingdom... Don't you think we need to know what his kingdom is? We need to have a, at least a basic understanding of what the kingdom of God is. If we turn to Romans 14, 17, we find out that here the scripture defines what the kingdom is. It describes it. In Romans 14, 17, it says, For the kingdom of God is not eating or drinking. Okay, it's not just sitting down at the table. Uh, that's not what the kingdom is. Um, now, you can say it's part of it, but it's not what it is. But notice what it says, but it's righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. Amen. Now, what, what is all this stuff? Well, these are qualities of God's character, qualities of God's nature, qualities of God's dominion that bring in influence. So when we really understand what the kingdom of God is, it's receiving God's influence in our life. Now, you know, you've heard it said, and some of you as parents, you're raising your kids, you tell them and you train them, and make sure you get around people that are going to be a good influence on you. Why? Because you, if you're around people that are a bad influence, what's going to happen to your life? You're going to go the wrong way. So we want people that are going to be a good influence on us, right? 
I mean, I do personally. I want people around me that are going to be a good influence on my life. And so God's kingdom is about influence. And so we need God's influence in our life so we can make right decisions, we can go in the right direction, we can make right choices, and all that. So this, this is very important. His kingdom is his dominion. Or we could say dominion influence, okay? We must seek God's influence and dominion in our lives. That's so important, and that's what this passage is talking about. The kingdom of God is also a life experience. See, God wants you to experience life. And, and not just life in the mundane, challenging, you know, all the junk that we have to put up with, but life as he experiences it. Uh, Jesus in John 10.10 10 says, I've come that you might have life and that you might have it more abundantly. Jesus came for us to experience the quality of life that he experiences. See, that's what he, he put on the table for us. And so many of us fall short of that. But that's something that God has made available for each of us who believe in him, okay? So when we see that the kingdom, kingdom of God is about influence, the key to the kingdom of God is the influence of heaven on earth. Heaven influencing this earth. Now, how has that happened? By the Holy Spirit through the agency of mankind. So by the Holy Spirit in us, God wants to influence and bring his domain or dominion upon this planet so that we can begin to change the culture with the influence of heaven. And, and right now what we're seeing, we're seeing just the opposite. We're seeing the culture influencing the kingdom of God or those that are supposed to be part of the kingdom. And so the church is at this point failing to really infiltrate and influence the culture that we live in. And so at Refuge, we want to make a difference. We want to influence this community because, you know, Stephen's point has been known, and I've heard this said before about this city. You know, you get down to Madison, you get to other places in the community, where are you from? And this is Stephen's point. Oh, party town. Party town. You know, we want to change that to be known as a godly town. A place where heaven meets earth. Amen? Where there's a tangible move and manifestation of the presence of God. Where there's an outpouring of signs and wonders that, that cause men's hearts and lives to be transformed and changed in his presence. So when we understand that the kingdom is about influence, we also see that the church is the agency through which God intends to reestablish his rule in the earth. You know, when, when Jesus met with his disciples, he said, I will build my church. You know, the disciples were taken back by that because the church in that period of history was known as, as um, uh, the, the, what's the guy's name? Caesar, okay, I, it slipped my mind. That was Caesar's cabinet. The church was the cabinet of, of those that ruled with Caesar. So Jesus said, I'll build my church. I'm going to establish my cabinet. And, and through his cabinet, through his followers, he was going to impact the whole world. That's why Jesus' last words was to go into all the world and make disciples. Go into all the world and preach the gospel. 
He didn't want us just to sit within our four walls and enjoy this new life in Christ. He wanted us to break out and take it where it most needed to be. To minister to those that don't know Christ in the way that we know him. Okay? Now, to give you a definition of the term kingdom of God, it has several applications. It's the universal rule of Christ over all things, both redeemed and non-redeemed. It's also the special saving rule of Jesus over his people. There's, the blood of Jesus covers us. We're protected in his blood. We overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of our testimony. The kingdom is the very life, the wisdom, the holiness, the power, the authority that Jesus grants his people. That kingdom influence and it's the permeating influence of the Word and the Spirit of God in this world. Wow. So putting Jesus first, that's where we want to start. Before you can, and some of you may be struggling even in your marriage or in a relationship, and really putting that person in the rightful place they need to be, at least in their estimation or yours, because you may think you're putting uh, your loved one first, but they may doubt that because maybe your actions don't follow through. In fact, we're more inclined to judge others by our, in we judge ourselves by our intentions, but we judge others by their actions. And so you say, well, I intended to do that. Honey, I intended to get you a Valentine's Day card. I just forgot. I did get one for her, by the way. Okay. Um, you know, so we, we have intentions to do right, to do good things, but our actions don't always follow through. So we want to talk about if we're going to put our wives or husbands first, if we're going to put our loved ones first, if we're going to put others first, we need to first understand what it means to put God first. And so I want you to look at Colossians 1.18 because this verse nails it as far as I'm concerned. It nails it as far as a biblical mandate of what we need to do with our lives, okay? Um, so Colossians 1.18, and I'm going to read this from the New American Standard Bible and then from the Amplified, because I want you to, to really see and hear what the Word is speaking to us. Colossians 1.18, it says, He, and the He here is in reference to Jesus Christ, He is also the head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead, so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. Now realize that he has first place in everything. That's his rightful place because of who he is. And so, but we need to determine in our heart if we give him that rightful position within our own lives. Because that's a choice of our will. And God will not violate your will. So it's up to you and I to put him first. And to really allow Colossians 1.18 to become a reality in our lives. The Amplified Bible reads it this way. It says, he also is the head of his body, the, the church. Seeing he is the beginning, the firstborn from among the dead so that he alone in everything and in every respect might occupy the chief place, stand first, and be preeminent. Now, now that, that's a mouthful right there, but realize that that chief place 
is really the throne of your heart, to let him reside there. And are you willing to give him first place? Now, to do that, you have to understand that he, may, he might want to make some changes in your life. It may be a shift of priorities. It may be a shift of focus. It may be a shift of direction. There may be some serious things that will have to change when you come to the realization of putting him first, okay? It's going to require something of you. And it may not be very easy because some things you may not want to let go of at this point in your life. But when you come to that place of surrender where you let go of those things and you make him first and give him first place, there is a shift, there's a joy, and there's literally the entrance of the kingdom of God. His righteousness, his peace, his joy in the Holy Spirit began to manifest in your life at a whole nother level. I think sometimes we have little sprinklings of God. We have a, a, an experience, an encounter, but it's not long-lasting. It, it's for the moment. And the reason is because we haven't made him first. We haven't given him first place in our life. Okay? Now, now we want to shift this because how should... Okay, what about others, putting others first? And, and, and let me say this about putting God first... I think so much is key in how you begin your day. How we begin our day often determines how well it goes, right? And I, let me ask you, are you having a good day? Well, how did you start your day? Well, a number of years ago, I made a determination that I'm going to start every day by first of all, in my waking moments, when I'm actually conscious, when I'm aware that I'm awake, the first thing I do is I acknowledge God. I acknowledge his presence in my life. I commit the day to him. I, in my heart, I acknowledge him as my Lord, my Savior, and I give him that rightful place. I present my body to him as a living sacrifice. I begin my day by acknowledging him, by humbling myself in his presence. And I believe that's, that's the most a powerful way to protect your life against the spirit of pride, to daily humble yourself before the Lord. So now, so in dealing with others, I want you to turn to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, and we, we want to conclude with, with this passage as we see the significance and the importance of how we see others, okay? And so Philippians chapter 2 verses 3 and 4 in the New King James Version of the Bible, uh, we see here the Apostle Paul addresses living unselfishly. And he addresses it from the standpoint and the framework of putting others first. Because we should not live for ourselves. Okay? We, we should. And, and not that, that we don't consider ourselves or take care of ourselves because we need to. We need to see ourselves as important. But let's read this says, let nothing be done through selfish ambition. In other words, the motivation of what you do shouldn't be for yourself. Or conceit, but in lowliness of mind. That, that word lowliness is in reference to humility. In lowliness of mind, let each esteem others better than himself. 
Let each of you look out not only for his own interests, but also for the interests of others. Now, something that's so significant here is and if you posture yourself this way, and, and, and the, we won't go into the rest of this. The rest of the chapter talks about the servanthood of Jesus. Now, he humbled himself. He took on the nature of a man, and he, he gave himself for us. And, and, and because he humbled himself, God highly exalted him. Exaltation comes only through humility, okay? And so we see here is there's an esteeming of others. It's more important than yourself. Not that you consider yourself unimportant, but you consider others more important. How do you think this world would be if everybody thought this way and lived this way? We'd be out-serving each other, trying to, you know. And, you know, and think about it. Even husbands and wives, try to out-serve your spouse. You know, have one up on them. And, you know, if you're out-serving each other, you know, trying to do one up on them, you're going to have a great marriage. Because you're not focused on yourself. Because in, in, in giving, we receive. The, the principle that God has so uh, wonderfully established in the, in the Word. Okay? In the Amplified Bible, I'm going to read this same passage. Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4 says, Do nothing from factional motives through uh, contentiousness, strife, selfishness. And sometimes that's, that's the level that some people are at. Okay? or for unworthy ends, or prompted by conceit and empty arrogance. Instead, in the true spirit of humility, lowliness of mind, let each regard the others as better than and superior to himself, thinking more highly of one another than you do of yourselves. Let each of you esteem and look upon and be concerned for not merely his own interest, but also for the interest of others. In other words, your concern becomes my concern. And see, what, what we also see here is that we're looking beyond ourselves to see the need that others have. And, and, and even though you might say, well, I'm a better person than they are, but no, you still need to esteem them better than yourself. Because many times we measure ourselves and compare ourselves by others. Well, I'm better than that person. You know, even though you may know that, even though it may be true, still esteem others as better than yourself. And that forces you to become a servant to others in the esteem that you make of other people's lives. Because sometimes, oh, I don't want anything to do with that person because, you know. And, and not that, you know, because we should be wanting to help people, we, we should be showing a genuine concern and care for people, for their needs. You know, when was the last time you saw somebody in need and, and you, your heart was moved with compassion to do something about it? We become so calloused in, in the way we live our lives and, 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 and we, we've lost that connection with the heartbeat of God. So, yeah. So, make the decision. We're going to pray uh, in a little bit here, we're going to receive an offering and give you an opportunity to be generous. But we're going to make a decision to put God first and realize it can be done, and not only God first, but others first. And it can be done without neglecting yourself. 
Because sometimes the person says, well, what about me? What about me? If I put God first, if I put others first, what about me? Well, that's the problem right there. It's not about you. It's about God, and it's about what he wants to do through you to be a blessing to others. And, and God will more than meet your need and supply what's lacking in your life. But in your bulletin this month, uh, you'll see there's a section on our worship through giving. And this is a, a giving opportunity to be part of what God is doing through refuge. And, and our desire, and, and hear my heart on this, is that at Refuge we create a culture of generosity, that we become known as, as a giving, generous people that really have a genuine concern and care for others and, and the needs of others, that we're not just looking to see our own needs met, but we're seeing how can we help meet the needs of others. And so we want you to pray, join your faith with us, uh, to see this established among us, that heart of generosity, to be a generous people, because generous people are, are happier people. They're blessed, and, and, and they're making a difference in this world. Um, and the framework of our culture of generosity, we see and we shared last week with you, 2 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 7 and 8, which said that we're to give unto every good work, because God would, would bless us at a level that we could give into every good work. And that's where we want to be. Because so many people said, oh, if I had it, if I could afford it, I would. But I'm not at that point yet. But that's where it starts. It starts with the desire to be a blessing. And in the scripture, in this culture of generosity, we see in Galatians 6.10, in the Amplified Bible, it talks about doing good to all. It says, so then, as occasion and opportunity open up to us, let us do good morally to all people, not only being useful or profitable to them, but also doing what is for their spiritual good and advantage. Be mindful to be a blessing, especially to those of the household of faith, those who belong to God's family with you, the believers. So it's critical for us to recognize opportunities wherever we go. And... You know, I don't know of any ministry that's really doing a work for God that is not challenged in the economic uh, strata of things. But we're believing God for breakthrough. We're believing God for every need to be met. Uh, we're raising money to put a new roof on this building. We're believing God for that. We're trusting God for a lot of things. And as, as everyone does their part, every need is met. Let's take a moment and pray over our tithes and offerings. If you need an offering, I enveloped, there's one in your seat pocket in front of you. If you're a visitor this morning, if this is your first time visit, don't feel obligated to give in this offering. We want you just to be blessed and receive the word. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, we're grateful for the opportunity to give into the kingdom of God. For the to share resources for a cause, for a purpose that's greater than ourselves. Father, I thank you that as everyone does their part, every need is met, that you supply richly every need. We thank you, Father. We thank you as we advance, as we reach out, oh God, that you're making resources available so we can reach and impact more people. In the name of Jesus, we give you praise. We give you glory. And everyone in agreement.
says amen. The ushers are going to pass the baskets. I don't want anybody to leave at this moment because I believe this is the most important part of the service because God's going to begin to minister to people today, especially if you have been in a relationship and you've suffered heartache and hardship because maybe of a broken relationship. God wants to bring healing in your life. And, and I have one last scripture to share with you. It's John 3.30. And this is an interesting passage because John the Baptist had his ministry in the earth. And he was baptizing people and preparing the way of the Lord. He was preparing for Jesus to come. And when Jesus showed up, he acknowledged and recognized that this is the Lamb of God who came to take away the sins of the world. He made that recognition. And see, that's a recognition we need to make as well, right? And so, but then all of, or a lot of the people that were following, the crowds that were following John began to follow Jesus. They began to leave John. And so he saw his numbers and attendance diminishing. And so some of his disciples came up to him and said, okay, John, what's happening here? What's happening here? In John, he understood the truth that all of us need to come to comprehend. He said, I must decrease and he must increase. He said, for me as an individual, I must decrease. And if I decrease, that will allow Jesus to increase. And see, that's what we need in our lives. We need for the old self to get out of the way so Jesus can show up in our lives. So it can be Jesus in his life moving and operating through ours. I want you to bow your heads this morning. And I want you to really think about this question. Is Jesus really first in my life? Is Jesus really first in, in my life? Am I holding on to things? Am I preventing him from entering arenas of my life? that I really don't want him to address? Have I closed the door to him? Am I only just tolerating him? Have I really wel welcomed him to be, as the scripture says in Colossians 1.18, in the first place, having preeminence? That's a question I want you to consider right now. And if you're saying within yourself, today I'm at a point where I want put him first. I want to put him first. And if you're at that place where you want to put him first, God's going to move in your life today. And he's going to reveal himself to you at a, at a whole other level. Because he wants to show himself so amazingly strong in your life. And you might say, Pastor, and, and you heard uh, Sam in, in, in the video testimony, when I asked that question, uh, last year or whatever it was when she gave her heart to Jesus. If you were to die today, do you know that you would be ready to meet Jesus? Do you know that your life is right with God? Do you have that assurance? Do you have that knowing? At the moment when I asked it, she didn't know, but now she does because she received Jesus as her Lord and Savior. She accepted him into her heart and now she has that assurance. Putting him first is more than just a religious decision or activity. Putting him first is saying, Jesus, I want you to be the Lord of my life. I welcome you to take charge of my life. 
I'm willing to turn it over to you. I'm willing to surrender my life to you, putting you in charge, giving you preeminence. That's a pretty serious decision that we need to make. Heavenly Father, I pray right now that even at this point of decision, there are those that may be struggling with this whole issue of putting you first. Father, help us to come to that place of complete and total surrender in the yielding of our life and heart to you, to give you the rightful place, Father, so that you can restore, so you can forgive, so that you can heal, so that you can help us, Father, to live our lives unselfishly, so that we can put others first, so we can put our, our spouse first, so we can put Father, other people in our life first that we need to serve and be a blessing to. In Jesus' name, esteeming them as more important than ourselves. Thank you, Father. Thank you, Jesus. Thanks for listening to The Refuge Podcast. For more information about who we are and to listen to more inspirational messages for free, visit us online at wearerefuge.net.